Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And welcome to episode 7 of Seeing Red. Episode 7. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. This is pre-recorded, so... It is pre-recorded. We aren't going to be thanking our Patreon supporters or mm. reviewers. But yeah. we'll do that next time. And it's all because I'm in Jamaica right now, so... Woohoo! Sorry, not sorry. I don't blame you. Yeah. So, what have you got for us today then, Bethan? Well, this case that I have for you today centres around a stalking campaign that was described in court as, quote, prolonged and malicious, and which spanned over four years. The case even had a TV show made about it. So, when I get back, that is what I'm going to be finding on Catch Up and Watching, because it looks like it's going to be quite an interesting documentary style program and I think if you watched it you might think it was just made up okay it's actually based on the true stories Mm. I'm going to be telling you about Dr Jan Falkowski and his fiance Deborah Pemberton they were cruelly and viciously attacked by Maria Marquez between 2002 and her trial in 2006 when she was sentenced and they finally got reprieve there is no death in today's episode this is a departure exactly So I wanted to start today just talking a little bit about stalking in general. So it is one of the most frequently experienced forms of abuse. There are reportedly over 250,000 new cases of stalking reported each year in the UK. One in 10 men and one in five women will go through some sort of stalking in their adult life. It's quite a shocking statistic, really, isn't it? Mm. I think it's um, th- there's new laws around it now, mm. or fairly recent laws, because it never used to be illegal. No, it used to not have so much that you could specifically say this behaviour is illegal. It's obviously clearly defined now. It is, yeah, absolutely. So stalking is a pattern of repeat and persistent unwanted behaviour, which is intrusive and which engenders fear. It is when one person becomes fixated or obsessed with another and the attention is unwanted. An interesting addition to this is that this is a crime whether the stalker makes a threat or not. So it's important that if the victim is distressed by what's happening, this is a crime. Okay. Even if the victim, um, even if the stalker hasn't said, I'm going to kill you, if that victim feels like their life is in danger, it is a crime. I think that's fair enough. It's really good to know that that is specific, so you can't get away with saying, oh, well, I wasn't saying I was going to kill her. So victims generally would hope that the issue would just go away, and research has highlighted that stalking isn't generally reported until the 100th incident. I guess this is because at first the behaviours are kind of ordinary. They're just, oh, they've done this a couple of times. It's not major, and they can seem a bit normal. It's when those actions are repeated and repeated and repeated, and they are so obviously sinister, that's what constitutes harassment. Because I suppose from time to time we encounter people that have, I don't know whether you call it an unhealthy interest in you, but they become a bit obsessed and that can then Mm. just disappear, but you just can't get rid of them. Exactly. So when does that cross the line? Exactly, and that's exactly the point. Stalkers will use loads of different tactics, so it's not even just the same thing over and over. They're going to use all these different ways that they can intimidate their victim. But sometimes their intentions won't necessarily be bad. It could just be unrequited love and they're trying to persuade that person around to their way Mm -hmm. of thinking. Exactly. And I think something we'll touch on in in this episode is the media's portrayal of 
oh, he's being really romantic. Oh, she's just showing that she's interested when actually following someone home is not appropriate. No. But I think sometimes it is easy for someone who's perhaps a bit naive to think, well, in the movies they do this. But is it more hacking into people's email accounts, looking at correspondence? It can be anything. What's sat outside the house watching what they're doing? It can be anything like that. Yeah. It can be turning up at their work. It can be turning up at places you know they're going to be. Yeah. Not only does stalking have an effect on the person who is stalked, but also it will have far-reaching implications. So it affects their friends, their family, their co-workers, um, of course, the healthcare system, and, as we're going to see in this case, the justice system as well. So there are far-reaching consequences. The University of Leicester has done a massive study on the effects of stalking, and I do apologise because there's lots of, like, so many percent of people, or, like, one in so many people, so I, I hope it doesn't get confusing. They reported that 40% of victims will be forced to make a huge life change, i.e. they might have to move house or they might need to change their job as a direct response to that unwanted attention. Stalking often ends in the death of the victim. So either that is directly at the hands of the stalker or from suicide. That's terrible, isn't yeah. it? So a lot of murder victims will have encountered stalking and that's how it all started and they might not even realize they might not know because it may look like they've just been attacked by a random but that person may have have stalked them to, to attack them all victims of stalking whether it's very mild or to the other extreme you know fearing for your life they will all suffer physical and emotional negative effects mm 94% of victims, according to this study by University of Leicester, which I am going to reference quite a lot, 94% of victims will make a major change to the way they live. So feeling that they need to alter their appearance, alter their routine, invest in security devices. But of the people that they interviewed, only 8% reported that their stalker had then suffered any significant life changes. So whilst they're having to change their security and change their hair colour and change how they act and what they do, only 22% of stalkers had legal proceedings brought against them or were detained. So most will get away with it. Yeah. One third of the people in the study who had been stalked had lost their job or their relationship or moved house. That is a huge amount Mm. of people due to stalking having such a big change. So the worst consequence could be the murder of that individual Mm -hmm. victim but there are other far-reaching consequences beyond that and even something that seems quite small like having to change your car for example that's a hassle that you don't have to do like you don't have to go and sell your car and get a new car because then you've checked you've not got the same number plates for someone to find you a moving job is a big deal so that's not fair that you should have to be in that position so like we were saying the media would often portray a stalker as something a bit romantic you know it's oh you know they really want to show their love for that person they're going to turn up at random times and surprise them or we get the other extreme where it's they're a pervert in a rain mac that's hiding in the bushes peeking out at them or a bunny boiler exactly actually it's not like that in reality nearly half of stalking does become violent and quite often the person that's stalking the person who is being stalked is an ex-partner or someone Mm. known to them, which again is probably why it gets to like a hundred occasions before it gets reported because your ex sending you text messages that are unwanted might just be something you think, well, I need to get, I need to just get on with it. I need to ignore them or 
I think everyone's got their own individual limits. Mm-hmm. So some people will just put up with it. Um, it's a minor inconvenience. It doesn't have that much of an impact on them. Maybe they think they were in the wrong, mm-hmm. splitting up with that person. And that's it. They'll be manipulative. Yeah. Exactly. Stalkers are incredibly clever about getting information about the subject of their obsessions. And so nowadays with the rise of social media, it is easier and easier for people to find information out about others. So not only will they be looking at things like Facebook and looking at where people have gone and where they like to go, but they will also often trick family and friends. So they'll generally be quite charming and they'll sort of say, we need to speak to someone about this reason or that reason. And those unwitting family or friends will then divulge information about the victim. And the people who are stalking, generally stalkers are sociopathic, so they don't really have a moral compass. They don't realise the impact they're having on someone. They're not going to care about the impact that they're having. But that person's brother, for example, now will not forgive himself for giving over where where she now works or something like that. The stalkers might even tell people, yeah, I know that she doesn't want to talk to me, but here's my reasoning. And... They give a good example, they give a good explanation, and people think, well, there's a valid reason. And if they're sociopathic, then they've got that sort of manipulation skill. Exactly. So you might think to yourself, right, well, it doesn't, you know, I know she doesn't want to talk to that person, but she's given me a really good reason as to why she needs to talk to her. I'll just mention something really innocuous that doesn't matter, and actually, you don't realise that you've given them that one last Mm. link that can mean it's, it's over them. Stalking is really serious and it is really easy to think at first that people are being silly or they're being paranoid. Over half the people in the study by the University of Leicester said that their friends and family had told them, you're just being silly, you're just being paranoid. They then quite often would begin to think the same thing. Mm. They'd then think, you know what, I'm probably just imagining it, don't be stupid. Over half of the people said they didn't report the case because what if I'm being laughed at? Oh, I've seen a couple of cars like behind me it's not a big deal it's not clearly defined in the wider population of what sorting is so I think people would you just would think I don't want to make a fuss I don't want to I don't want people to laugh at me or judge me Mm -hmm. I don't want to make a big deal of it don't want to be a drama queen so I'll just put up with it and it will go away and that's it you think oh well maybe it'll just go on its own and like you said it might do Mm. like people might the stalker might think to themselves you know what didn't get there I'll give up I'll I'll move on yeah Sometimes they won't. And a sixth of the victims were actually told, you're lucky to get some attention. How infuriating By is that? By family and friends By or not told. the police, hopefully. Not the police, yeah. no. The police have been really, really praised about how yeah. they deal with things like this. But their family and friends have gone, well, at least you're getting some attention. I can sort of see that, though. Can I? I yeah. That would anger me if someone tried to say but that to it, me. isn't it hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes? So if... Somebody's coming to you saying, I'm being stalked. They're telling you about all the things that are happening. You're going to just think about it a bit more objectively. That is true. And to them, they're seeing it on a daily basis. This thing's happening to me regularly. I do get that, actually. But it can be a campaign of terror. Exactly. So what causes stalking? Um, The people who were stalked were asked, what did they think had been the catalyst? So they had said things like rejection, so either a previous partner that they've ended a relationship with or a potential partner that they turned down. 
jealousy so in all manner of jealousy it could be jealousy in a romantic sense or jealousy in a job sense anything and you do have friends that are quite competitive so it could be you meet somebody at the gym you become friends and they become jealous of you and your lifestyle so they want to emulate that they become obsessed with you and follow you to try and copy you yeah some of them said that perhaps it was an argument that had begun with a stranger or an acquaintance and not even a friend it was just someone that they barely knew an argument had started and that had just turned a switch in the other person's head and they thought i need to get my revenge or i need to get vengeance somehow some people then said that the reason they had been stalked was due to mental illness so the person Mm. who was doing the stalking was mentally ill like i said before the police have been praised about how they get involved in such cases But a lot of people do think that they could have more training because different stalker types need to be dealt with differently. And like you said, that's it. There's so many things that encompass stalking. It's impossible just to have one rule or regulation that defines that. Victims of stalking want to be believed by all of the agencies they come into contact with. But this is difficult because quite often the stalker will then counterclaim that the victim is stalking them. Mm -hmm. So... That's then so difficult because you've just got he says, she says, and who's going to be believed? They also want society's perceptions to be changed because they want the public to know that anybody can be a victim of stalking. Obviously, in the press, we see celebrities or we see people in the public eye and the stalkers are just a sad act who's harmless and then the security come and take away and that's it. But that's not the case. In real life, it is an honest true danger and it's a worry and it's people getting into your home or getting into your workplace and ruining your life they want more information to be available that tells people how you can preserve evidence because that's a really good point if you've had someone break into your house how do you preserve the scene if some if you feel like someone's been in your house and moved something can you preserve fingerprints they want more information on how to change your telephone numbers And they want more legal advice to be available to the victims of stalking and referrals to appropriate agencies. So a couple of high-profile cases from the media were there was a woman called Caroline Criado Perez who was a cyber-stalking victim. She was campaigning for Jane Austen's image to be put on the £10 list. Ah, yeah, I remember this. So she received rape threats on Twitter. She also got death threats as well. And one of them said... I will find you. You don't want to know what I will do when I do. Kill yourself before I do. It's just horrible. They haven't even approached her personally, but she would have felt like that was so terrifying. And she wasn't necessarily high profile like a celebrity, so it would probably be fairly easy to go online and Mm -hmm. find out where she lives, find out loads of information about her. Terrifying. There was a woman called Claire Waxman who was stalked for a decade by an ex-classmate called Elliot Fogel. He was a former Sky Sports producer and they found out that he'd been Googling her name over 40,000 times to get information. He'd made hundreds of late night calls to her home. She had been forced to move house five times due to him. And in 2015, he was sentenced to three and a half years in prison for the campaign of Pretty decent sentence. Yeah. The case that I was going to tell you about today It begins in 1998 with Dr. Jan Falkowski just living his life happier than anything. He was a decorated psychologist. He has got so many letters after his name, it's ridiculous. He worked with adults, so he dealt with PTSD, stress, anxiety. 
He worked with victims of assault. He dealt with people who were suffering depression, alcohol-related problems, and he worked with rape victims. He was also often called upon as a trial witness in court. He was a record-breaking powerboat racer who has been described as confident and successful, but he was just completely unaware of the hell that he was due to face. In 1998, Dr. Jan Falkowski began treating George Attard, I always try and say Pittard, George Attard, he was the partner of Maria Marchez and although her and the doctor met a couple of times, they were never really alone and Dr. Falkowski probably paid very little attention to her, if any at all. His doctor-patient relationship was with George and he worked with him for about four years dealing with whatever issues they were. Falkowski was in a serious relationship with a woman called Deborah Pemberton and very soon they announced their engagement. But behind the scenes, they did not realise Maria Marchez was plotting to ruin their happiness. Even though they hadn't had any one-on-one meetings, at the end of George's four years of treatment, Maria had become infatuated with Falkowski. She quickly worked to track down his mobile number, his home number and his work number, and she began to put her plans in place. Just a fun fact for you, she mm. was working on a cheese counter in a department store at the time, so... Okay. Yeah, different. Yeah. Also, she had form as a stalker. Did she? But nobody knew this at, the point, at this point. So, Falkowski and Deborah Pemberton were living on a boat called Mad Pals, and this was moored at the Limehouse Marina in East London. They were planning their wedding and generally just enjoying their lives together. But then Falkowski began to receive phone calls from an unknown person, but we now know it's Maria Marchez. He was getting phone calls on his work number, on his private number and his home phone. Then Deborah and... Was she talking to him or was it So these were just hanging up phone calls at first. Then the phone calls started going to Deborah and a load of work colleagues as well. Constant ringing was just a huge distraction. Like, yeah, there's nothing going on, there's nothing being said, but it is still very annoying. And you are thinking, who the hell is this? Yeah, someone's got all these numbers. Am I the link or is it someone else that's the link? You're going to start getting paranoid. Yeah. And then voicemail started to be left. The first one that was ever left was on Deborah's phone, and it was threatening, and it included the words, we will get you, we are going to get you. Absolutely terrifying. The person then said that they would see them, so we're assuming that means sort of Falkowski and Pemberton, outside Deborah's home in half an hour. So that's terrifying as well. These people could well know where you live. Mm. Then emails and text messages became quite common as well, and they were coming through to not just the two of them, but also to his work. Falkowski had no idea who this Mm. could be. Sometimes the messages would be to Dr Falkowski, and they'd be romantic you know leaving kisses at the end and saying let's meet up and why don't we get together other messages were abusive so telling deborah to dig her own grave telling the both of them your life will end the gunman has been paid and bang bang is all you deserve god can you imagine Mm -hmm. receiving messages like that yeah literally looking over your shoulder every time you go out thinking is somebody gonna hunt me down and kill me exactly you don't know if the gunman's been paid is true or not. Yeah, that's a horrible know. threat. And if he was a psychologist treating people with things like PTSD, they, you know, unfortunately, when some people are severely affected by that, mm-hmm. it can then manifest itself in violence. Exactly. So he And he's been in court 
you know, is a trial witness, yeah. he knows what can and can't He's essentially know. contributed to some people being sent to prison. Mm-hmm. So it's been theorised that the whole aim of this was to drive a wedge between the couple and split them up. So basically, I guess Samarquez could have Falkowski for herself. It does make sense as well, because that's a really stressful situation to be in. So mm. it would then shine a light on the relationship and make it difficult. Yeah. And also maybe they're questioning each other. Is Absolutely. this an ex-partner? Have you been having an affair? Yeah, exactly. But do you really think... Well, obviously, she's she's not thinking of this from a logical point of view but oh you're the one who's been stalking me and broken up my relationship let's go run off into the sunset together but then if they didn't know yeah she could i suppose come in and and save the day or something then the messages started threatening the wedding so um they would say things like the food's going to be poisoned and all the guests are going to get ill deborah is going to be burned in her wedding dress and basically just making a threat on their big day she not only bombarded the couple, their friends, their families, their co-workers on the phone and via email, but she also broke into their home. So on two occasions, she snuck into their boat. The first time, she turned all the lights on. So when the pair got home, they knew someone had been there and it was just a threat and it was terrifying, but nothing had actually been done. The second time she broke in, she turned on all the gas taps and just left. So not only did she risk their lives, But there could have been a gas explosion in the middle of London. Mm. It was a real serious situation. Falkowski and Pemberton then went to the police and basically said, this needs to stop. What can we do? And there was just no evidence. There was, they couldn't find out who had been doing this. They couldn't find links to anybody. And there there was no real link with him and Marquez either. She was mainly someone he'd come into contact five or six times over four years. It was not 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 an obvious connection. No obvious connection. I know over four year period you could come into contact with thousands of people. Especially in his job role. Yeah. So the police gave them the advice of staging the wedding. So they basically publicly said, right, the wedding's gonna be on in pool on this date. They set it up and pretended that's what they were Isn't doing. that going to be expensive to set up a pretend <laughs> wedding? Well, not... No, they didn't actually set it up Okay, they just kind of said, they just said this, this is when we're going to get exactly. married. Yeah. Looking and forward to our big day on. Exactly. And that's it. They told everyone, like, this is the day. Because it could have been someone that they knew that was invited to the wedding, for yeah. example. So this would really flush that person out. And it worked. It's good advice. Yeah, they stayed in, they waited, and on the day that they were supposed to be getting married, Marquez had basically taken the bait and bombarded them with so many text messages and calls. The police just had this solid lead, and they found her in a phone box just close to the house. Mm. Found her in there and were able to say, it is you. You're the one who's calling right now. We know it's you. So she was arrested. However, she turned the story around on Falkowski. Standard. What else would we expect from her? It's awful, though. So basically, she, if you can think of, like, the worst thing that you could possibly do, she turned it around on him and accused him of drugging and raping her in his office. So straight away, he is then arrested for rape. Because, again, the the police have got to take any allegations seriously. Yeah, they have to take that seriously. She is so conniving that she stole a condom from his bin wiped it on her underwear oh and gave it to God. the police as evidence that he had raped her jesus how disgusting is that she wrote letters to his employers his reputation was in tatters it was 18 months that he spent <sighs> under suspicion waiting for that 
to the yes. investigation and go to trial? Absolutely. I guess? He lost his job in this time and basically it, there was nothing he could do. He got his legal team to start investigating, but what can you do? You've had this allegation against you, all you can say is denying it. And she's got some hardcore evidence. She's got evidence. The campaign of terror had devastating effects on the couple and they actually called off their wedding. So the wedding was due to take place in September 2003 and Deborah has even said that she contemplated suicide because she felt so low. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And then where we were talking about how this could completely drive a wedge between a couple, Falkowski then began an affair. No. He began an affair with a woman called Bethan Ansel. She was a younger woman and he kept this completely secret. So while all of this was going on, he was having an affair. And I can, I'm, I'm not condoning that at all, but I can sort of understand you, yeah. the pressure they're under, the relationship suffering, that it's driven him to the arms of somebody that's perhaps sympathetic, understands, yeah. and, and is showing affection. Yeah, Exactly. So the TV show that I mentioned before, the article that I read about the TV show is really interesting because the writer said, to make the TV show, I needed Dr. Falkowski straight away, um, his fiance, ex-fiance now, Deborah, and also this Bethan woman, they had to be completely honest to her to be able to write this story. And so she was said, it a documentary or is it a drama? So it's a drama okay. based on true events. Yeah. And actually, they were really honest with her. They aired all this dirty laundry. He was so honest and he said, yeah, I had an affair. This is what drove me to it. And that's what I thought was very, very interesting. Is this is how real it is. Mm. It's not silly, oh, this has happened and now I'm going to do this. It's how real people really um, sort of approach the situation. And the writer said quite often people would say to her, why haven't you written in that Falkowski shouts at the police officer? And she said, because normal people don't. Mm. Normal people are told by the police there's nothing I can do. They take it. They say, oh, do you know what? We'll keep trying. Normal good people, rightly or wrongly, just respect that authority. And just go, yeah, okay. Exactly. So, yeah, 18 months he was under suspicion and awaiting trial for the rape. His team began work on proving his innocence, but this is just not an easy task. However, his affair ended up proving the truth. So, the condom that Maria had taken, he had used with his in his affair... And, and so they got rid found, of it and left it at home. Well, he'd obviously just thrown it away wherever yeah. she'd got this from the bin. Um, it had this other woman's DNA on yeah. it, so it proved without a shadow of a doubt that he hadn't used it on her, he'd used it on this other person, and then he admitted the affair. Literally five days before he was due to stand trial, and he was due in court, the rape trial was called off because they found this evidence. But he'd still gone, like you say, a year yeah. and a half under that his job threat of a trial. Been, yeah, his, his reputation was just in tatters at this point. So the affair had ultimately saved him. Not saying mm. that an affair is the right thing. Definitely worked out for him. It worked out for him. Marquez was finally sort of brought to justice. So she faced her trial on the 11th of July, 2006. So she'd been going on since 2002. Mm. It was at Southwark Crown Court and she denied the charges that were put to her. So the charges were three counts of harassment, one count of threatening to kill and one count of perverting the course of justice. She was actually already bound to keep the peace because she'd been stalking another couple a few years previously. Where did she get the time? I know, ridiculous. And, and she was working on a cheese counter at the same time. And like, how did her husband not realise that she's doing all this? Yeah. So the trial... 
um, went on for about three weeks. Falkowski sat with his new partner, Bethan. Oh, okay, so they um, ended up not so just they, a bit of a fly-by-night, no, one-night stand? they actually ended up together, and I think, from what I've read, they stayed together. Yeah. The jury was seven men and five women, and they found her guilty. Yeah. Claim, which I think it's impossible not to with the evidence they had. Especially when the police found her in the phone box, so they knew that she yeah. had been the one making the they calls. They were able to link her then. Judge John Price said that she was convicted on the clearest evidence of a sustained, terrifying campaign of threats to kill and harassment. He adjourned the sentencing until September, so this was in the July, and he said, You have terrorised them. It is my humane hope that something can be done for you. If not, you're going to prison for a very long time. And actually, in the end, she was jailed for nine years. Nine years, that is a lot. She was um, told that she has to serve at least six before she can be considered for parole. He also imposed on her a lifelong restraining order. So she can't go to several addresses. Um, These include the Mile End Hospital in London where Falkowski worked and where he wanted to return to work. Mm. In the court case as well, they heard that three London hospitals were involved. The Royal College of Psychiatrists, the Royal Yacht Club, the Green Jackets and even the SAS were involved. So what? she'd been contacting anybody that he would be a part of. Why was the SAS involved? Because he was something to do with it, I guess, or maybe the he, voting or something. Or maybe he was um, psychiatrist to exactly. some, some of the soldiers. Exactly, he'd been doing stuff with PTSD. Yeah. So that's how many people she was writing letters to and trying to disgrace him. So afterwards, um, a spokesperson sort of for the CPS, basically said that she was a dangerous individual who wreaked havoc on the lives of those she singled out for victimisation. We are pleased with the sentence and believe it sends a message to those who would act similarly. Similarly? Similarly. Similarly. Um, And also Dr Falkowski said that he was pleased that justice had been done and he spoke of his relief that his four-year nightmare was finally over. But he did say he was the victim of previous failures of the legal system. He also felt like anonymity in rape cases should be extended to the accused at least until the trial. He said the victims of rape are quite rightly given anonymity, but I strongly feel that this should also be extended to the accused until trial. In my case, this gave Marquez the freedom to make a false allegation and then systematically use this to destroy my reputation by approaching the press my employers and any organisation connected to me to do as much damage as possible. And that is a really fair point. She shouldn't have been able to do that until he was found guilty. So, yeah, that was the case for her. And she's in prison. Or is she now? She is if that was 2006, Probably. she'll be out now. Oh, she'll be out now? Yeah. I hadn't read anything more about what yeah. was going on now. So. We should look her up and see what she's doing. Are you going to go find her? I'm going to stalk her. <laughs> no. I should not make a joke about No, don't, because then she'll probably say that you did. Yeah. A side note at the end. Ooh, yeah. Poor Deborah. So Deborah, the fiance, then ends up the original fiance, original Deborah. She then had to have another restraining order taken out on someone else. So a woman called Veronica Tan started having an affair with Deborah's husband and began stalking the couple. There's not lots to find out about this because it seemed quite like open and shut the case. But basically, she sent a distressing package to her in the mail and now cannot go within 500 yards of the road that Deborah and her husband live on or have any contact with them. So poor Deborah has had it twice in her life now. But do you know what she's also had twice? What? 
uh, husband or fiance have an affair on her. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's just sad. I feel yeah. sorry for her. So she's been stalked twice and she's had someone cheat yeah, on her twice. Yeah, I know. So there you go. Interesting. But shorter case for us shorter today. Shorter case today, but also nobody died. So. And that's good, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely wreaked havoc nice, on their lives. But nice ending. I think it's nice to cover something a bit different. Mm. And I suppose with the nature of the crime, there probably is less to it. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And we've got the text messages, you know, things having a text message sent to you saying things like that is just as chilling. Yeah. As having someone attack you, I should imagine, because you're constantly on edge. I think the great thing is that in the last decade, the police have done so much to improve mm. the stalking laws. Like I say, I don't even think there was a proper law before. Yeah. And now it is more more clearly defined, but it probably needs to be because of things like social media. Yeah. The internet makes it so much easier to stalk people. Definitely. And we all use that terminology, don't we? When oh, we, my God, yeah. We talk about Facebook stalking yeah. is, is just what you say. And, and we shouldn't really because I think I'm going to have to stop using that phrase. Yeah, I, I don't think it's fair on people that have been genuinely stalked. Absolutely. And who've suffered, but we'll totally carry on using it. <laughs> Now, if you're a fan of true crime, then you are going to love this. I'm going to hand you over to our friend at the Outlines podcast, Jess, who's going to tell you all about her show. This is the Outlines podcast. I'm Jess Carter, and each season I uncover unsolved murders and disappearances in a different county of the United Kingdom. I visit the locations of little-known crimes and collate all the evidence build up a picture of the victim and the times in which they lived and died. If you want to join me, you can find Outlines on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll map out all the facts, and together we can try to keep these cold cases alive. Okay, thank you for listening, everybody. We hope you found the case interesting, and we will be back next week. Yeah, see you then. Bye. Bye.